You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we're television news anchors at competing stations in New York. But in real life, we are the best of friends. Okay, so tell our listeners why we decided on The Ladies Room. You know, it's that place where you get yourself together, maybe fix your hair and makeup, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, you know I know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal ladies who are doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies' room. We are in the ladies' room with Mara Schiavocampo. Perfect. Uh, yes. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Journalist, author, fitness inspiration to me, at least. Yes, me as well. <laughs> Wife, mom, um, she's our, what we call at home, you're our Beyonce. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is the nicest thing. Every time we see your pictures on social media, we're like, yes, dress, yes, hair. You just posted the picture of your hair. My natural natural hair hair that I wear. But here's the thing. I have not figured out how to sleep with it yet. Because that was my first time wearing my hair natural, really. Um, And then when I was going to sleep last night, I was like, hmm, what do I do with it? So Uh I twisted it up. And when I woke up this morning, it did not look really. The same. So you did no. a twist out, and it just didn't. I did a twist out, and then, but I did a twist out wet. Oh. And the only reason I knew how to do that is because I looked it up on YouTube. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, how do I do my hair natural?" And then when I was going to sleep, uh-huh. I was like, "What? What do I? What do I do?" So yeah. I just twisted it up, and when I woke up this morning, it was not it a good look. No. I find natural hair to be harder. It is. It was a lot more it work. Might be. I think. I, I don't know. I can't speak to it. This mm-hmm. is a new new space for me. Yeah. yeah. And for our, our listeners, I should say, who don't know what natural hair is. Everyone knows me. I love weave. I wear weave all the time. Yes. But for natural hair, it's literally your natural hair. And sometimes if you don't have a relaxer, which can kind of straighten your hair mm-hmm. out. And yeah, it can be challenging dealing with a, a coarser yeah. grade of hair. Well, I found, so the reason that I wore it natural for the first time is because I cut a ton of my hair. Gotcha. So my hair used to be like practically down to my butt. And really? then I had a terrible experience and it got really damaged. Uh-huh. And so we kept trying to save it. Like we would let it grow out and cut a couple inches and let it grow out and cut a couple inches. And finally, the last time I went to my stylist, she was like, it's really damaged. And I was like, you know what? To me, it felt like a metaphor for life. Mm. I was like, if it's damaged, it has to go. Wow. Like, what, what, why am I holding on to it yeah. for mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. So I told her, I said, just cut it to up to where it's healthy and uh-huh. it was like shorter than my, like almost to my ears yeah. and I haven't had it that short since I was like 10 wow. and so when I was getting ready to go out last night I had just washed it and I had my ponytail ready <laughs> I was like okay yeah, we're gonna put funny. the ponytail in we're gonna do it and I thought to myself why don't I just wear my own hair mm. and I was like how would I do that mm-hmm. so then I went on YouTube I watched the tutorial and you know yeah. that, that that that's what happened I tell everyone I went to YouTube University because they yes. have literally everything <laughs> you can learn a blessing and a curse because that contouring, honey, I was looking oh, yeah. met, jacked right. up. <laughs> but you had written that it was spiritual. Talk to, people don't understand, at least for like women of color, hair is, mm. it's, it's a big deal. Hair is a big thing. Like I always say, if you see a woman cuts her hair or gets bangs or new color, that's not just a new hairstyle. There is something happening in her life. Like she just, she about to leave her man. She about to start a business. Like something is about to happen. No, it's a big thing. But a lot of things in life, 
I feel like are metaphors for mm -hmm. kind of the spiritual yeah. battle that we're fighting. And hair, I mean, that's in the Bible. So, yeah. You know, it was, who, was, who was it that cut his hair? Samson? Yeah, Samson. Mm -hmm. Right. So, oh, I mean, I that's like, we're not making that up. Like, there's a connection there for yeah. better or for worse. Definitely. All right. We started off a little off track, but we'll, we'll get back on we track. We were to get to that. We anyway. look, yeah, we were. <laughs> you know, we definitely were. So we want to start first, you know, with your career. You've done so many amazing things. We'll start at the present and then we'll kind of work our way back. So right now, what is Mara doing? You, I feel like your brand is amazing and I think I can't wait to see what, what the future holds for you. But right now, what are you doing? Well, right now I'm a contributing correspondent for the Dr. Oz show. Um, I left ABC in February um, and I'm getting ready to relaunch my podcast. My podcast is motivated. It was yes. all about health and wellness. Um, I launched it at ABC. It did really well. Debuted at number one on iTunes mm -hmm. Health. Um, and so now we're going to start the second season with an independent um, podcast group. So that's what I'm working on right now. But I think it's really important to be transparent because mm -hmm. what I hate is like the Instagram life, the social media mm -hmm. life that people put yes. forward. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the outside looking in, it seems like everybody has a plan. Everybody has it figured out. Everybody is like doing so great. Um, I am in a transition period. So there are a lot of questions I don't have answers to because I knew that one season of my life was over. I don't yet know what the next season is 100%. I know pieces of it. Um, and something that I was really struggling with was that I couldn't see the big picture. And um, what occurred to me was if I was trapped in a tunnel and I couldn't see the end of it, but I knew I wanted to get out, would I just stand in one place and, mm. and hope to get out? Yeah. Or would I start walking? Preach. I would start walking. Yes. I would put one foot in front of the next. I would shine my phone so I could see just one step in front of me and I would start moving. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm just putting one foot in front of the next and the picture will become clear at some yes. point. And it will be great. We already know. Thank yes. you. I appreciate that. that. <laughs> <laughs> we are some of your biggest fans. Oh, I love you ladies. It means a, it means a lot. You know, this is a, this is the, it's a cold world. Yes, it um, is. And so the, the warmth that I get from you guys means yeah. a lot. Yeah. No, How did you get your start in, in television? Especially, I know like aspiring journalists, like, you know, people like us, we follow your career, but a lot of people don't know like the... Yeah. So I actually, you know, I went to um, graduate school for journalism. I thought that I wanted to be a print journalist. And, you know, life is all about uh, accidents and serendipity. I checked, I was 19 years old. You got to give me a break for that. When I was filling out my grad school applications, I checked the wrong box for whether I wanted to do print, television. At the time, there was an online category, magazines. Mm -hmm. And I checked television by mistake. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I ended up going to the school that I made the mistake on the application, which was University of Maryland. And my first day, I had to take, there was a class that was required for your major, and it was a TV class. And I'm sitting in the studio. Now, you know a, a, a cold, dark studio when the show is not in production, the yeah. lights are down, it's cold, because, you know, they keep it cold for the equipment. There is no place that's, like, less hospitable yeah. than that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you can practically see your breath. It's so cold in those studios. And I'm sitting in this, and I'm like, how do, wait, why, why am I in this room? Realizing that I made that mistake. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to get out of this track. I'm mm -hmm. on the wrong track. And then I had my first internship, which was a television internship that I got through the National Association of Black Journalists. Mm -hmm. And it was my first time in a working television newsroom at CBS here in New York. And I caught the fever like nobody's really? business. I was like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And I thought, well, if I can marry my love and interest in journalism mm -hmm. with this awe for television, mm -hmm. this is like the perfect world. It's the best of, of both. So that's what led me into television. Um, my first job on the air was as a reporter for MTVU, which is their college network. Um, and so uh, that was great because it was in New York. And then they let me go 
when I turned 24 because I didn't look like I was in college anymore. Oh. <laughs> so I got, I got fired for being too old at 24. <laughs> um, and then I went to a local station um, in the suburbs of New York, RNN TV. Um, and I just wasn't happy with what I was covering. So the content was boring me. It was like, you know, power board meetings and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to travel and do international work. And, you know, you, on the one hand, you can wait it out until an organization will hire you as an international correspondent. But I saw that was like 10 years away. And I was like, no, I want to do it now. And so I quit my job and I bought some equipment. It had to be small enough for me to carry and to carry on the plane because I didn't want to check it. Yeah. Um, because if I'm going to spend all that money, the last thing I'm going to do is put in, you know, and then miss my connection and whatever, and I get to, you know, Syria, and my, my camera ain't there. <laughs> um, and so I put everything in a backpack, got on a flight to Jordan. That was my first trip. This was during the Iraq War. Um, and you could sell anything from the Middle East because it was during the Iraq War. Yeah. And in that first trip, I did Jordan, I did um, Lebanon, I did Syria. Before the Syria War, it was not a dangerous place at the time I went. Okay. Um, and I did all these things, and then I sold all my work, and that was the beginning of my digital journalism career. How did you sell your work? What, what, what did that process look like? Yeah, so, I mean, it's the hustle. Yes. It's the hustle and the grind. Um, it basically is, you know, sometimes you're reaching out to contacts cold if you know you want to sell something. Like, let's say I wanted to get a piece on Yahoo. Um, so you're trying to figure out, well, who at Yahoo can say yes to this? So it's a lot of kind of digging. Um, and then some of it is connection. So I might know someone at Yahoo and I reach out to them and say like, well, I really want to um, do a piece for this section. And then, you know, so it's, it's a combination of both of those things. The biggest thing I learned when being a freelancer is figure out who's already doing what it is that you're trying to sell them. No one's going to pivot 180 and say like, oh, we should do a piece on food because this is so great even though we never cover food. Mm -hmm. You go to the place that's covering food to get them to buy a piece on food. It sounds obvious, but a lot of people think their content is so compelling yeah. and I want to get it on X. Well, if X doesn't do that, it's not the right place for it. Exactly. So were you going to these different places and you said, you know what, let me go here, I'm going to cover this, and then I'll try to sell it to this person? How did that... So the, the, the smart way financially to do freelance journalism is to sell your pitches first so you know how much money you're going to be bringing in, and then you go and you do the work, and then you turn it around and you get the money for it. Um, so initially, I didn't know that. So I would go, I would, do, I would cover what interested me, and then I would try to sell it. So then sometimes I would have pieces left on the table that didn't get bought, and that's a waste of time, which is basically a waste of money. So you don't want that. Did you have a team? No, it was, it was just, just me. Ooh, just me. That was queen. <laughs> <laughs> and Iris said, just the Oprah yeah, I, yeah. I, It was like a long time ago. It's 2008. I, yes, I said, I saw you, because I you know, heard your name through NABJ, and then I'm like, oh my God, she's on Oprah. <laughs> and I didn't know you then, but yeah. I, I just thought that was so cool that you were a one-man band, and you were doing the work, and you happened to be on it was so cool. And that story to this day was one of my favorite stories ever. It was this, well, we did multiple stories, but one of them was, was the source of the uh, hair extension that we all use, mm -hmm. which it was, I was literally at my desk at work one day and I was like, where's all this hair coming from? <laughs> like, it was like seven o'clock at night. I'm like thinking of stories and I was like, where's, where's all this hair that I'm buying? Where does it come from? And I looked it up and I could not believe where it was coming from. It's coming from the temples in India where they go and they shave their head. It's like a ritual sacrifice and they donate it to the gods. Well, the temples take all that hair and they sell it and they make a fortune. 
And I was like, this is the greatest story ever. And it just so happened that the, I met a producer at the Oprah show. Shout out to Candy Carter. You guys should have her on. She's now the EP of The View. Okay. Right. She's amazing. Um, and she was like, we're doing a show about beauty around the world. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah. And that was one of my pitches. And wow. I loved that story. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you did that all of that for a few years. And then you transitioned into a more structured yes. environment. Yes. The network. So what was that transition? Like, I know, probably challenging in some. It was a little bit like, um, imagine that somebody takes you, and this is no shade to the network that I worked for at the time, which is NBC. And I have a lot of love and respect mm -hmm. for NBC. Um, this is the network world. Yeah. It was a little bit like somebody, a group of people, pushing you into a pool of sharks and then standing back and crossing their arms and looking at you. And you can hear them discussing you saying, is she going to make it? Mm. Is she going to get her arm ripped mm. off? How's mm. she going to do? Um, that's what network television is like. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of people watching you fend for your life yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and waiting to see how you do. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, I know in church they say, you know, you see the glory, but you don't really know the story. You don't Oof. know everything that it Preach. takes to really get to that next level. Preach. And when you get there, it's like... Oh, you know, you have to be prepared, yeah. too. And not just get there, stay. Stay there, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's one thing to get the job, but... Yeah. The, I have found that the dream never feels like you would expect it mm. to on any level. Like, right now, my husband and I, we're renovating our dream house. We bought our dream house um, in July of last year. Congratulations. Thank you. And we're renovating it. And you know what it feels like? We poor. Mm. We're house poor. Mm -hmm. Every penny. Now, we're not poor, but every penny is going to that renovation. It feels very different than you would expect mm -hmm. it to. That every day we're going over budgets, we're going over spreadsheets, we're cutting from the scope of work, we're re-adding this, we're... So this is what the dream feels like. Mm -hmm. Having two children is exhausting. Yeah. It's, a, it's what I've always wanted. This is what the dream feels like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how was it being at a network, just in terms of assignments? I know for us, like, we're always digging for stories. And so what do you, what does that look like for you, like a normal day in the life of a network? You know, there's there's no normal. Okay. So um, it's, it's, it varies. So some days are, like, kind of slow, easy days, where maybe you go in the studio, you have a live rap. A live rap is where you're live, you introduce your piece, the piece airs, and then you um, give a tag to your piece. You might go in and do that, you know, then you're done at like, I don't know, 8.30 at the latest. I always went to the gym after Good Morning America, always. That was my routine. Um, and then, you know, maybe you're in the office and you're reading the news, you're getting caught up, you get an assignment for the following day. You know, the easiest assignments are ones that you don't have to do a shoot for. Okay. Those aren't necessarily the most rewarding, but those are the easiest. So let's say there was like a murder trial in South Carolina. They don't really want to spend the money for somebody to go to South Carolina, but they still want to do the story. So you pull all the court video and you look at all the records and you do an interview with the defense attorney in the building. That's a really light, easy mm -hmm. day. And then the alternative of that, the hardest days are, are when there's breaking news mm -hmm. and when you have to cover a breaking news story mm -hmm. and you run out the door with your hair on fire. Um, when I used to travel a lot, I did not travel in my last job, mm -hmm. but I spent like seven years on like living on the road. And that's when, you know, you get a call. Can you be on an airplane in an hour and a half? You get on the plane. You don't know when you're coming back. Maybe you're back in two days. Maybe you're back in two, two weeks. 
the, that's so it's that range yeah. you know and when you're on those stories ooh, it's like the wheel of death it's like you're filing in the morning you know when I worked at NBC you're filing for cable all day you're filing for um, the evening broadcast and then you're preparing for the next morning mm. show it's a it's non-stop mm-hmm. when you were at GMA what time did you have to be at the studio it depends on your hit time okay. and if you're going to get hair and makeup done there so um, I often did my own hair and makeup, yeah. and so I could get there later, but just, just because I was spending more time at home getting ready. Uh-huh. Okay. So about 30 minutes before your hit time, I would say over an hour if you're going to get hair and makeup done there. But you did your own sometimes. So, sometimes. Yeah. The thing is, that the, hair, the hair and makeup team that I used, they became my best friends. Mm. Like Literally, they're among my best friends. So I enjoy doing my hair and makeup, um, but I really wanted to hang out with them, and yeah. so some days I would go in like, just so they could do my makeup so I could hang out with my girlfriends yeah. in the morning. <laughs> and that, disclaimer, that is only at the network level that you get your hair. We have to make it clear to people we, yes. at the local level, we do our own thing. Yeah, but, and you yeah. do it well. <laughs> Thank you. That is a lot coming from you, Miss <laughs> So you mentioned this, that you work out a lot, work mm-hmm. out a lot, work out a lot. I want to talk about that because yeah. you've had a major transformation. You wrote the book, Thin Spires. Yes. Talk a little bit about, I guess, the weight loss journey and how you decided that. Yeah. Yeah. So it started out because I wanted to lose baby weight um, because I had my daughter. I was at my heaviest. And it's interesting because there were many times I wanted to lose weight prior where it came from a, it came from a really dark place where I was feeling terrible about myself. It was, I was tied to my self-worth. I felt ashamed for having gained weight. This did not come from that place. This was like, I am 230 pounds. Mm. I have never been this big. None of my clothes fit. Um, I felt uncomfortable in that skin. And I was like, I got to figure this out. So it came from a really sane place. It was like, I have to figure this out. How am I going to do this? If somebody locked me in a cell for six months, I'll lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. So my body can do it. So how do I make that happen? Um, and so I started making these changes to figure out what worked. And you have to be really determined and really, um, you have to approach it in a sane way. Because in the past, I would get on the scale, and if it didn't give me the results that I thought I should have, I would be so furious. I'd be like, F this, this is stupid. I'm wasting my time. Why am I doing I'm not doing it anymore. And as an act of rebellion, I would go have a binge, or I would stop working out. This time, I would step on the scale. If it wasn't giving me the results I wanted, I would say, well, why? Like, this is a tool, and it's giving me information. So what can I change? What can I tweak? It was a completely different approach. So basically, I revamped my entire lifestyle. Um, I got rid of everything that had power over me. Mm. So we all know the difference between a food that has power over you and the food that you have power over. So like a muffin. There's probably nothing I love more than like a Mm -hmm. blueberry muffin. That has power over me. If I can cut it into six pieces, I'm going to eat the whole thing. I don't care if I cut it into smaller pieces. I cannot control myself. Yeah. I've never done that with salmon. Mm. I've never done that with broccoli. When I, I set a portion of salmon, I eat that, and then I'm like, that was really satisfying. <laughs> and then I go on about my day. So I got rid of everything that had power over me. And that was the beginning of the spiritual connection. Realizing that, that, that the food and the exercise and my body and my mind and my spirit, it was all connected. Mm-hmm. You can't separate it. Definitely. Did you ever feel, because I know, you know, for us, like, obviously, you see us, we're definitely not the cookie cutter. But gorgeous, curvy you, and you. beautiful and representative. And, and take pride in that because yes. most women in the country look more like us yeah, than definitely. a size zero, which yeah. is what you see on television. Yeah. That's not the the beautiful, larger, curvy woman is not well represented on mm-hmm. television. Yeah, no, that's true. Did you ever feel pressures? Because I know even for us sometimes, 
people, and I'll be transparent, you go out in public, oh my gosh, you're so much smaller in person. Right. I don't take it as a, you know, I know they don't mean it in a negative way. They're, oh, you're so much more beautiful in person. Right. But yeah, the camera does add weight. And so again, there's those pressures from viewers, from the people that are watching you and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. But did you feel those pressures and you what know, did that play into I've that? been really lucky because I never got that pressure from an employer, you mm -hmm. know, but they hired me at that size. So I was almost ready for them to say something like <laughs> I, I have my response ready. Like this, <laughs> you know, like if you marry someone and they start to criticize your weight, it's like yeah. you married me at this weight. Yeah. So um, but they never did. Never. I never had an employer take issue with it. Um, the viewers, I know that people are mean online because I see how mean they are to other people. I, knock on wood, have been very lucky. The people who are part of my social online community are very supportive That's and good. loving and kind. Mm -hmm. And so even there, I didn't really get it. Um, what I always felt, I never felt ashamed of it as a person on the air because I know that most women watching look like mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So I was always really proud of it. I'm like representing like mm -hmm. my sister girls. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you said you eliminated it, but let's, I, I just, I need some help. Mm -hmm. I've fallen off, I'm back <laughs> up, falling off, I'm over it, like, getting up, the gym is 15 minutes away, and I'm like, it's a snowstorm, like, I don't, right. like, do I die now, or do I die later, I don't know. So you said you got rid of it, like, newsrooms can be very unhealthy. Yeah. Especially local Food news. every day. Food every day. I, mm. I always used to say, oh, I still say this, I said this the other day, I'm like, y'all just want to make us fat so we can't get jobs <laughs> other places. <laughs> they want to keep you there. So you eliminated at home, but what do you do when you're at work? and you see that muffin or you're like on the road and like so do you just pre-plan or just tell me show me your way so when you the hardest part is the beginning mm -hmm. because you're creating new habits new habits are really 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 hard to create people say it takes 21 days studies have shown that it takes longer if the habit you're trying to change is more significant so I say that to say you really have to Focus, buckle down, be committed, plan, do everything possible for about the first six weeks. It's a, it's a stretch. It's a haul. It's not easy. But once you've changed your habits, everything is different. When I walk into a room and there's a spread of food, I do not even consider eating the things that I avoid any more than I would consider eating, like if you had a cricket, like fried, like a plate of fried crickets, which people eat fried crickets yeah. all over the world. That's not appetizing to me. So I don't even consider those things. So if a newsroom has a spread and there's like pizza and the this and the that, and then like a fruit platter, I'm going to fill up on the fruit because mm -hmm. it's the only thing that's an option for me. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to fill up on the carrots and the hummus because the other things do not exist. The pizza doesn't exist. It's not an option. Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that if an alcoholic goes to a holiday party, they're not going to go to the bar and order a cocktail. They're going to order a cranberry juice. So you, do, you have to change everything. And there are people who think that my approach is extreme. I will say that you have to know yourself. Um, you have to do what you know will work for you. If you think that's going to trigger you or send you into a bad place, then find something that works. But I know for me, I will never have a healthy relationship with certain foods. And if it's not a healthy relationship, I don't want it.
Mm, that's good. How do you find balance? Because <laughs> I, it, for me, it's just me. And mm-hmm. so Iris, you know, she's married, but it's hard. I can't imagine managing a husband, children, work, and this <laughs> and that. How do you do it and be able to, like you said, work out and maintain that healthy lifestyle? And a social life. And yeah. a social life. What yeah. I've found is, um, you know, let's say your life is, is a list of priorities, right? And all the things that you like and value um, and want as part of your life. As you start to add more to your life, certain things have to go. So the things that I value the most are still a part of my life. So exercising every day, there's probably nothing that I value more in terms of day-to-day lifestyle. Obviously, my family is much more important to me than that, but in terms of like what I do every day. And so because that is my number one priority, I will move heaven and earth to make sure it happens. If it means I have to get up at 5 a.m. for a 6 a.m. class because I have a really full day, if it means I have to shift my nanny's hours so that I can go get out earlier so, so I can let her go earlier, whatever it means. I mean, the things that my, and I'm very lucky because my husband feels the same way. And so I never have someone rolling their eyes and like, Ugh, because I'm the same way with him. When he's like, I need to take an 11 o'clock class on Saturday, I'm like, okay, babe, you know, I got you. I'll be back at 10. And, you know, so you make it a priority when it's a priority for you. Um, and that's the best I can say. So really my life is only working out, spending time with my family, um, work, and an occasional, like once a month, outing with like a social outing. Yeah. That's yeah. it. There's room for nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> if some, something else wants to come in my life, like a hobby, then one of those other things has to go. Has to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, are you working out one hour a day? What's your workout? It depends like? on the day. So generally, it's it's forty five minutes because I love Soul Cycle. I'm a okay. big Soul Cycle junkie. So those classes are forty five minutes. Um, I also love Barry's Boot Camp. That's what I did this morning. Oh, okay. So that's an hour. So I try to do classes. I'd say four to five times a week. Um, and then when I work out by myself, it's like an hour, probably an hour generally. Mm-hmm. I hate working out by myself though because I have um, no like intrinsic yeah. motivation. I need someone to but tell classes me. Classes are better, I feel like, yeah. when yes. you're surrounded by people. Totally. Yeah. And then, like, some people get intimidated when they go to a class and everybody's all fit and ripped. I love it. It <laughs> gives me so much inspiration. <laughs> like, I want to be behind that guy who looks like a fitness model with his shirt off because I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm going to get ripped too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, you know, just for your podcast, your motivated podcast, like, that for us really just helped us because you touched on so many different topics. And what did you feel like? maybe was one of your favorite episodes and something that you really learned from and gleaned from and keep with you now. My favorite. You know, it's interesting. There was a guy who came on. His name is Colin O'Brady. And he um, he got in a terrible accident when he was 22. His legs were really badly burned. And they told him he would never walk again. And he went on to um, set the world record twice for climbing the, the highest summits in the world in the shortest amount of time. Um, I was so inspired by him where it's like, you think you got, you know, no disrespect to your snowstorms, (laughs) but like you wake up and you can, it's like a snowstorm. You're like, oh, I don't know. And this, and this man managed to climb, you know, all of these peaks when he thought he would never walk again. It just puts everything in perspective. Um, a question that we're asking, uh, all of our guests, what would you tell a younger Mara? Oh, (laughs) That's a really hard question. Do most people react that way? Some people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I would say, you know, I'd take it right from the Bible. Do not worry. Mm. Do not worry. Um, Because, you know, tomorrow has enough worry of its own. I wish I could quote the scripture by memory, but who of us by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything I was worried about, I remember relationships I had before I met my husband, and now I'm like, thank God Girl. I didn't marry that yes. guy. <laughs> thank God that didn't work out. Thank you, Lord. And now I have the greatest husband ever, and yeah. he's the best father ever. Um, and everything is like that, you know. I talk about our dream house that we just bought. There was another house we were supposed to buy, and that didn't work out. And this house is so much better. Wow. And it was cheaper. Yeah. And it's like, wow, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. So don't don't worry so much. And what's next for Mara? Well, I don't know. That's what, yeah. you know. I was talking about the tunnel. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a tr- it is a transition season for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So I I it would like to say it's spring, not fall, because mm-hmm. summer's coming, not winter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah, well, we're excited. We'll, we'll be tuning in, right? We'll Walk be tuning in. Whatever. Yes, yeah. amen to that. Well, we appreciate your time. We know you are so busy. You've always been very gracious from uh-huh. the very first moment I met you at the um, conference. So we just thank you for fitting us in. And of course, it's a it's you. a pleasure and an honor. Wait, are we not going to talk about Princess Black Girl Magic? Oh yeah, uh-huh. we can do that. Yeah. I mean, okay. come on, there's a black woman in the royal family yeah. for the first time in history. Can we please commemorate this? Yes, yes, yes definitely. Yes. And the thing, her mom had the dress. Oh, yeah, it, amazing, it's just beautiful. <laughs> Someone said, well, so many tragic and hideous things would have to happen for her to become queen, which is true. Unless everybody decides like that they're not interested. Yeah. So maybe like William and all William's children mm-hmm. will decide and Charles they'll just be like, eh, we're not really feeling it and then she'll be our queen. Yeah. Not yeah. our queen. Yeah, well, I don't think I have a queen though. I mean, isn't Oprah Queen like I, she isn't she? Oprah and Michelle, is, yeah. like aren't they we have queens yeah, already. Queens. <laughs> she could be added to the mix. Yes, we're Wakanda forever. Wakanda yes, forever. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Mara, thank you so thank much. You guys. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle OnAirTLR. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, just let us know. We'll chat again soon in the, the Ladies Room. room.